Welcome to DC Schmooze with OU Advocacy. We're getting to know some of our nation's elected leaders and learning about their policy goals. Join us as we dive in. Hello, this is Nathan Diamond. I'm the executive director of the Orthodox Union Advocacy Center, and this is another episode of our DC Schmooze in which we uh, meet and engage with members of Congress uh, and uh, ask some nice questions to enable our community to get to know uh, people who are leading on issues that are of concern and interest to the Orthodox Jewish community across the country. And today we're joined by Congressman John Moulinar, a uh, Republican of Michigan. Um, Congressman Moulinar, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Nathan. It's good to be with you today. Yeah, t- maybe tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from in Michigan. Um, it's not a part of Michigan that has a large Jewish community, so uh, maybe maybe g- give folks an idea of where you're from and what your district is sure. like. Well, I grew up in Midland, and uh, my district is uh, 20 counties across the central, northern, and western part of the state. I now live in the Great Rapids area in a small town called Caledonia, and uh you know, have served in Congress. This is my fifth term. I serve on the Appropriations Committee and on the Labor, Health, Education Subcommittee. And uh, we are very engaged on educational issues, as well as making sure, with respect to our commitment to Israel, that we're funding the Memorandum of Understanding that was agreed upon and making sure we continue to have that strong partnership and and relationship with Israel. Well, that's great. And I'll, we'll turn to those issues in a moment. Um, what what got you interested in getting into politics? Well, you know, the opportunity to help people. And uh, to me, that's, you know, one of the really special things about this job where you get to help people, whether they're struggling with a federal agency like the EPA or IRS, in some cases it's Social Security, Medicare, you get to, you know, assist people who have problems. But also you're involved in setting the course for our nation's future, whether it's, in my case, working on the budget and the spending plan, as well as some of the policy issues that affect our everyday lives. So it's really been an honor to serve our country. I had the opportunity to serve at the state level and the state legislature, as well as the local level and on the city council as well. That's great. Um, And you mentioned you're on the Education Committee in the House. you're also the chair of the School Choice Caucus. Uh, and school choice is a very important issue to our community because more than 90% of folks in our communities um, choose to send their children to non-public schools. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your interest in school choice in general, and maybe also then um, what opportunities do you, say, do you see for advancing school choice policies in Congress um, in the next couple of years? Well, first of all, you know, I just from a philosophical standpoint, I am a believer that, you know, parents are the primary educators of their children and and have the most uh, at stake in terms of wanting to make good decisions about how to raise their children, how to best educate their children. And to me, it's important that we give families the educational freedom to pursue those goals and so philosophically, I think that's very importantly, but I also came to it as a parent because uh, my wife and I have raised six children and have had them in a variety of schools, uh, sometimes public, sometimes private, uh, for a, at a charter school for a period of time. And 
And it was each time it was in the best interest of the child and what we thought would really help the, benefit them the most. And uh, to me, that's a fundamental thing. And I ended up, I was so impressed with the work they were doing at the charter school. I agreed to be the administrator of the school uh, for a period of time as well. And saw firsthand how, you know, if, if you view yourselves as, you know, caring for a child and entrusted with that child uh, versus just a, a product that's coming out, that's a very big difference in terms of philosophy. So I think school choice encourages uh, educators to really view themselves as being entrusted and, and, uh, and making sure they're accountable to parents, the community, as well as the students. That's great. And, and we very much agree with that kind of uh, mindset, if you will. Um, what, do you, what do you see as the opportunities to advance school choice legislation in this Congress uh, over the next uh, year and a half, two years? Well, I believe in the House we're going to do some things to move the ball forward. And uh, I was really pleased. January was a big month for school choice. Uh, Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, and I hosted a school choice rally and had kids from around the country participate in that. Uh, we had National School Choice Week, and we co-led a, a resolution and had 47 co-sponsors, which was more than we've ever had. And uh, I think you'll see in the House, we're working on some legislation, basically a parent's bill of rights, if you will, that really recognizes the value and the importance of parents being involved in their child's education and really wanting to empower parents, which Ultimately, school choice is probably the best policy we could do to, you know, advance that cause. And I think we're going to move on that. I don't have the exact timing on it, but I know there's a considerable amount of interest. It was part of our commitment to America on the campaign trail. So I believe we'll take action. That's great to hear. And and also, um, you know, we, we are also involved in supporting um, the uh, the tax credit proposal, the Every Children uh, Counts Act. Um, which is uh, meant to bring to the federal level the kinds of tax credits that some states like um, Pennsylvania and Florida, uh, Arizona, and some others have uh, to also support scholarship funds and parental choice. Um, do, do you see any prospects for that uh, being acted on by the House? You know, I hope so. You know, it's always a challenge on the federal government because we do have oversight of Washington, D.C., where we support the scholarships there. But then you get into this balance between what's the federal role, what's the state's role. We see a lot of innovation happening at the states. The states that you mentioned, uh, the day that we had the rally uh, in in Washington with students uh, was the day that the Iowa governor signed new legislation on school choice. So I think in states across the country, there's momentum, but there is also uh, opposition and, and it's part of the legislative process. So I'm hopeful we can continue to move the ball forward. And then ultimately, it's up to us to continue to persuade, the, you know, the American people that money should follow the student. You know, you have taxpayers paying these dollars and they should have a say as to how their children are educated. So um, to me, that's that's a longer term prospect, but I think we're making progress. That's, that's great to hear. Um, you did mention, you did mention that you also sit on the appropriations committee, um, which, which as you alluded to is so important, uh, in supporting 
the the U.S. Israel relationship. Uh, the the U.S. is is Israel's most important ally, um, and and Israel is also a great ally to the United States in terms of how it shares intelligence and other and other important resources. Um, maybe I can ask you the question this way. You know, there there has been a lot of talk since the Republicans took the majority in the House about um, reducing spending. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, I think we would hope, and I assume, you know, you would say that's not going to be like indiscriminate. Um, what can you tell us though, about how you and your colleagues are talking about controlling spending, but also at the same time, uh, preserving important, uh, things that the federal government spends money on, like support for Israel? Well, that's a great point because we are going to be charged with reducing spending. I mean, we've had record levels of spending these last few years, and I think it's really driven inflation. It's, uh, you know, been a, a challenge to uh, step back and say, okay, how can we limit this spending? And uh, that's what we'll be uh, chartered with going forward. So on the Appropriations Committee, we have 12 bills, and we're going to work at reducing spending in each of those bills. But as you point out, we want to do it along the lines of priorities and commitments. And to me, that's where we need to focus. We need to focus on the things that uh, have become part of spending that really isn't a fundamental responsibility of the federal government or is simply added on, whether it was during you know, the health emergency or whatever. We need to prioritize, re reduce spending in key areas that uh, really don't fit the right, you know, priority for the federal government, but then make sure we're fulfilling our commitments that we've made in terms of these areas, you know, priority and, and national security and, and a partnership with Israel to me would be vital in terms of protecting the American people working together with key allies like Israel and so that we have a safer world and, and we fulfill our responsibility of protecting the American people. We we appreciate uh, you and your colleagues uh, robustly supporting supporting Israel. Um, you know, uh, we do like to we do like to wrap up these conversations with some lighter, uh, if you want, questions. Um, you know, what what what's something uh, that's unique, maybe to your your part of Michigan uh, that you've tried to uh, maybe introduce some of your colleagues to? Uh, we recently had an episode with. Congressman Dan Goldman, uh, who represents part of New York, and he created a new thing in the Congress called the Bagel Caucus because he thought too many members of Congress had not eaten good bagels, which he, you know can only come from his part of New York. Uh, is there is there a version of that or something else from uh, from your part of Michigan that uh, you've tried to educate your colleagues on? Well, maybe unlike Dan, I'm trying to cut back on everything I eat a little way right now, but. Uh, no, that, you know, it's funny. He's down the hall and, and, uh, we saw the droves of people going to have those bagels. So it was a big success. Uh, you know, there are different things, you know, I'm part of some of the great lakes caucus and different things. Uh, I helped start the chemistry caucus because I have a background in chemistry. One area in my new district that I've been working hard to really, uh, promote is some of the heritage in the district, uh, I represent Lake County, 
which is the home of a place called Idlewild. And in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and early 60s, when America had, you know, segregation and black families and entertainers really didn't have very many areas where they could vacation or, you know, have entertainment venues, Idlewild was the go-to place. And um, one of the things I'm working on with some of the leaders in the community is how do we present that uh, heritage and the history there, but also recognize that with desegregation, people went everywhere in the world, and then in Idlewild became, you know, an impoverished area. Lake County is one of the poorest counties in the state. And how do we help rebuild and make sure that we're caring for the community as well as celebrating the heritage there? So that's an area that I'm working on um, and very excited because I think it's a, an amazing history for Michigan. Some of the, you know, Ella Fitzgerald, all these highest level entertainers would play Idlewild uh, before they, you know, maybe went to the Apollo Theater or somewhere else uh, that was considered a, a major venue. Wow, that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that, that, that's really very interesting. Um, and uh, do you are you uh, are you able to travel uh, back and forth and be home to your district on a consistent basis, or um, do you spend more of your time in Washington these days? Well, often we're in Washington for three weeks out of four, and then you try and travel back and forth on the weekends, and then maybe have a week in your district and. Uh, to me, that's always because I have 20 counties. It's it means a lot of windshield time driving around different areas of Michigan. Uh, my district is quite rural, and it's one of the most diverse agriculture districts I believe in the country, from fruits and vegetables to uh, livestock and dairy. It's uh, quite remarkable in that way. So it requires a lot of the time getting around uh, by car. That's good. Well, thank thank you so much, Congressman John Moinar, for spending some time with us and and uh, letting our community get to know you a bit better, and and for your leadership on issues that <clears throat> the Orthodox Jewish community across the country cares about very much. We really appreciate your leadership and your partnership. Thank you very much. Great to be with you today. Thank you, thank you everyone. Again, my name is Nathan Diamond, and this has been the Orthodox Union's DC Schmooze.